We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We are super excited to be here for this very special episode to break down the first round of the 2020. NFL draft and what a round it was. How are you guys? Hey Kyle, do you do you remember last year at this time how I started off the show? I I don't remember, <laughs> but I know the general tone. So it went it went something like it's the most wonderful time, right? Yeah. Do we, do we need I to re- think of a different tune this year? Are people not <laughs> feeling that? <laughs> I'm not I, sure. I'm afraid how are you? that there might be a very different tone out there right now. We'll see. Yeah. Maggie, how are you doing? I'm kind of shocked, but not in an un- unexpected, the Packers could never take a quarterback kind of shocked way. Just, I feel like that now that we're in an age of social media where feedback is suddenly instantaneous and we're getting immediate reactions to things, this feels very foreign, even though... It's not like we're in uncharted, familiar territory. So let's talk about it. What could possibly go wrong? 
Yeah, guys. Uh, it was <laughs> it was kind of a long night. Lots of stuff happened, and then crazy stuff happened. Uh, at the end of the night, the Packers made that move to get to number 26. Uh, they traded from 30 to 26 with the Miami Dolphins. And with that pick, they selected... Brace yourselves if you missed last night and for whatever reason you're listening to us before finding out who made the pick. They selected Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. Um, Guys, this one is going to melt the internet, I think. Packers fans are potentially going to lose their collective minds coming into this first round. I think many expected an offensive weapon to help Green Bay win right now but this is certainly a pick for the future um we've got a lot about this that we can we can say uh so let's jump right in here guys andrew what are your thoughts i'm really curious on jordan love to our green bay packers yeah so i know kyle and i in the past have talked about having to be a little bit of like the psychiatrist for packer nation and now we're gonna uh fold maggie into that soothsayer (laughs) role um and help to just calm people down maybe talk people off the ledge a little bit about jordan love uh it's a fascinating move for sure lots of mixed emotions i don't know that i've totally processed everything like we're talking pretty much right after the first round ended and you know you have to wonder how is Aaron Rodgers going to take it when do fans start clamoring for love like at the first sign of struggle are we going to get go to the backup again um you know but before we can get into all of that I wanted to share what my scouting report from watching love was um and this remains unedited you know post Packers pick so uh you know this is what I saw it's certainly tons of natural gifts uh, a cannon for an arm Tremendous athlete, Um, but even with that, he was very much a pass-first player. He wasn't always looking to take off and run. Uh, He can make phenomenal throws. But he's definitely going to miss some easy ones there. You know, his interceptions, I thought, were often a result of inaccuracy rather than poor decision making. But he does sometimes miss that underneath zone defender. Uh, he's got a loopy arm uh, motion and, and that is going to have to get corrected. Uh, he doesn't process the defense particularly well yet, but he can certainly keep the play alive with his legs. Uh, his footwork gets really sloppy at times. You can you can see what scouts love about love. Uh, but he is going to be a serious project for a team. I think he can pay off huge dividends. So everything I just said, you know, it's it's almost ironic. And I was talking to both of you about this before the the show started. I was watching the 2005 NFL draft on ESPN2 earlier today. And they were saying so many of these same things about Aaron Rodgers at that time. And so... Yeah, he's a serious project. Um, They're going to be working on him. Um, If LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett are up for developing love, um, I think he could be the next in line. And and we could see that, you know, three-peat that the 49ers were trying with Montana and Steve Young and then Steve Bono, which didn't really work. But, um, (laughs) you know, they're going to have two years of Rodgers for sure with his contract situation, unless something really weird happens. Um, And so they're going to have that time to get Jordan Love ready to play. They're going to have an insurance policy if Rodgers doesn't stay healthy. So, you know, it's it's interesting. That's that's really my summation. It's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is where we are right now. I have to say when I saw Green Bay was trading up, 
I thought it was going to be for Patrick Queen. That was who I thought that they were going up to get. Uh, there was some buzz around Queen and the Ravens, and I thought maybe that was the move that they were going to make, or Denzel Mims, even though I didn't see the need to trade up for Mims. But wow, Jordan Love, when his name popped up, I, I wasn't upset, just shocked that it actually happened. We've heard about this for so long as a possibility. What's really interesting is that there were no teams between 26 and 30 who were thought to be highly interested in Love. So you have to assume that this trade-up was to get in front of other teams who would have had interest in Love potentially. And clearly, Gutekunst really, really likes this kid. It wasn't a situation where he was going to sit and take him if he fell in his lap. He went up and he got this guy. And there's going to be a ton of criticism around this pick, obviously. Uh, but I will say... When I watched Jordan Love expecting to not like him, kind of going in with that kind of uh, preconceived idea that this was not going to be a player that I was going to fall in love with. Lots of love on this show tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I came away really, really impressed. He played LSU and made some incredible plays in that game. Um, one of his last games of the year was against Kent State. And I know it is Kent State, but my goodness, Love marched his offense up and down that field over and and over again with accuracy and rhythm and his defense could not get a stop in that game and love just kept putting up points uh, I tweeted that I thought 2020 was probably a little bit early for the Packers to take a quarterback that was kind of my feeling on the thing uh, but I came away from watching Jordan Love thinking that he was really going to be a great NFL quarterback when I watched him so apparently Gutekunst thinks that and apparently I was wrong about 2020 uh, being a little bit early yeah, and I think to me, this is kind of Gutekunst and his legacy. And I know it's really early to talk about legacy being in his third draft as the general manager of the Packers, but that's how it felt tonight. And I think that you look at Ron Wolf with Brett Favre, you look at Ted Thompson with Aaron Rodgers, this is Brian Gutekunst trading up to get somebody that he feels could potentially be a franchise quarterback for the Packers, knowing the history of the position and what that means to the Packers. And I think, you know, if you look at already the comps that we've made with Reggie White being Ron Wolf's free agent, Charles Woodson being Ted Thompson's free agent, Zadarius Smith potentially being Brian Gutekunst and his free agent, this feels like a defining moment for the general manager span of Brian Gutekunst for however long he is the GM. And I totally get the frustration here in this pick. I do, you know, you just took a 13 and three team, went to the NFC championship game and the Packers didn't immediately address a position that would have helped those 2019 Packers get over the hump. Uh, instead, they traded for somebody that they're hoping doesn't start for at least three years. Um, but to that, I say it's night one. And I think that the goal here was to find somebody that the Packers could give the keys to the car to if something were to happen to Aaron Rodgers. You know, we saw what happened uh, through the Brett Hundley experiment, the Deshaun Kaiser uh, Bears game half of a quarter experiment <laughs> uh, in 2018 week one. So the good news is for all of the fans listening that are not thrilled with this pick, the draft is not one night. So we're going to talk about it in just a couple minutes. There's plenty of talent still there especially in night two. It's a really loaded draft at the positions the Packers have needs. So for me, there's still a chance for these Packers to make an impact where they need to right now. But I think that Jordan Love is fully an investment in the future and a, a pretty darn good insurance policy at this point 
if Goot is convinced that this is his potential franchise quarterback. You wouldn't trade up for somebody that you weren't fully sold on. Yeah, Maggie makes a really good point that this is about Brian Gutekunst's legacy. It's about his job as well. So obviously he's weighing this very, very heavily. Um, he feels very, very strongly about this pick. He wouldn't make it if he didn't. Um, before we move on, I want to kind of segue a little bit here. And Maggie's talked about Gutekunst's legacy. And I want to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers' legacy. And uh, just mention a few more things about this Jordan Love pick and the ramifications. I will qualify all of this by saying it is almost 1 a.m. here in Michigan on the <laughs> Eastern time zone. So anything I say, please do not hold against me um, as I've processed this. But the other day, Brian Gutekunst held a press conference, um, a call with the media, and I want to read a quote from what he said. He said, um, Aaron Rodgers is really focused on doing something here legacy-wise. Certainly, we're going to try to do everything we can to put guys around him to accomplish those things. And I think we thought that that was probably weapons, wide receivers, and those kinds of things. But the crop, the thought crossed my mind. Obviously, Rodgers wants to win a title. Obviously, that is goal 1A. But what if Rodgers has expressed that he would like to have the opportunity to pay it forward? And maybe he wasn't thinking 2020, but down the line, much like Favre did, um, and that kind of situation, Rodgers may have kind of this idea that he'd like to help a young quarterback be the future. I don't know. This is just a kind of a crazy thought. But Aaron Rodgers may view his legacy as more than winning just another Super Bowl, um, but even more of helping the Packers continue to win Super Bowls for the next decade. Um, I just found that quote really interesting at the time, wondering kind of what that meant. It sounded kind of strange. And now with the selection of love, I'm even more curious about how Rodgers views his legacy, his role going forward, and obviously how he views this uh, pick tonight uh, as we, you know, try to unpack all of this and what it means. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you brought up some interesting points there too, because certainly Favre never viewed his role as the starting quarterback as helping to develop Rodgers. And so will Rodgers take on more of a mentorship role knowing that he never received that? Or is he going to kind of continue the legacy of letting the young quarterback yeah. learn on their own? Um, and then I, I think, you know, one of the things I just wanted to sort of jump backwards in the conversation, I mentioned, you know, some of my criticisms of Jordan Love, the loopy throwing motion, the bad footwork, those are all things that can be coached. And so I think, you know, that doesn't guarantee that Love's going to be good and then he's going to take to that coaching up. Um, Decision-making is a much harder thing to learn. But um, certainly, you know, I wouldn't write him off because he was, you know, quote-unquote inaccurate at times in college because those are definitely very correctable things and, and things like I mentioned Aaron Rodgers was able to do. So uh, you you did lead us off, Kyle, with saying the Packers did give up picks 30 and 136, their fourth rounder, um, in order to move up and take Love. And certainly if Jordan Love turns into, you know, a franchise quarterback, giving up a fourth-round pick isn't going to seem like a very big deal. Um, but that does mean that there's going to be a very long stretch between the end of the third round where they pick uh, late tomorrow night and where they're going to end up picking in the fifth round. So 
unless they do a trade back or, um, you know, find a way to package some picks to move up into the fourth round. Uh, potentially we could have a very boring early Saturday part of the draft. <laughs> um, so, you know, that that's some interesting things to, to take into consideration. Um, but we wanted to talk a little bit, you know, obviously there were 31 other picks tonight um, and, and talk a little bit about some of our takeaways from around the league. Yeah, so lots and lots happened tonight. Um, I mean, I think we thought we would see kind of a chaotic first round with uh, the lack of a lead up to the draft as a process that we normally see. Um, but we didn't see quite probably as many trades as I think I, I thought we might see, especially early. Um, but it was really interesting to see how things progressed as we got into this draft a little bit further. Um, my biggest takeaway was that the NFL liked these wide receivers enough to take the top ones pretty early. Uh, there was a lot of talk about how the league may wait on receivers in this really deep class. And for just a second, it felt like some of these top wide receivers might fall a little bit. It kind of looked like Lamb might even fall to Philly and maybe Justin Jefferson would get into range of a trade up and those kinds of things. Uh, but nope, uh, Lamb got scooped up and Justin Ze- Jefferson... I don't really want to talk about this right now, but uh, this happens every single year. You fall in love with a prospect, and then they end up going to division rival. And Justin Jefferson was um, up for that task this year, going to Minnesota. Of course, they picked him at 22. And so what started kind of feeling hopeful, you know, this feeling at the beginning of the draft that one of these top wideouts would fall ended up in devastation as the Vikings stole fan favorite Justin Jefferson. But I really did think uh, it was interesting that the league thought the top wideouts, uh, Ruggs, Judy Lamb, Rieger, Jefferson, Ayuk, were worth taking early, even though there's plenty of depth to be had later. And from a Packers perspective, it was a little painful to watch those names come off the board. Yeah, I think that especially from, you know, following Twitter and all the different Packer avenues, once C.D. Lamb was still on the board for the Cowboys, there was this overwhelming sense of like maybe the Packers will trade up or maybe the talent is sliding enough to align with what we all thought maybe the Packers would have a perceived need as. Um, so to me personally, I think my two favorite moves on night one have to be Javon Kinlaw going to the 49ers because that defense is already phenomenal. And then you add a player like Javon Kinlaw who maybe fell a little bit. I don't know if you can say he fell um, in the teens, but he makes a lot of sense for that defense. And then, of course, CeeDee Lamb going to the Cowboys. I kind of thought CeeDee Lamb might be the first receiver off the board. So for him to go third to the Cowboys to pair with somebody like Amari Cooper, that immediately helps out an offense and a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who's still developing. Um, but I think, to me, maybe if you look at night one, unless you you say the Raiders Um, the Packers probably made the most shocking move of the night. And I don't know if we can call it shocking because it was still mocked a bunch of times that the Packers would be interested in a potential quarterback. Um, And I think, you know, as we kind of sit here and rationalize everything, I don't know that we can fully understand now what this pick means or what the immediate impact is, because I don't think there is necessarily an immediate impact, Jordan Love coming to Green Bay. Um, But I think it's something that we'll certainly be talking about in five years, three years, you know, when we look back at this 2020 draft class, whatever else happens the next two nights to figure out, was it worth trading up from 30 to 26 for a selection, again, for a guy that you're hoping maybe isn't even going to see the field? 
Yeah, and both of you mentioned C.D. Lamb, and that's that's what I was going to talk about as well. Last year, we we talked about like winners of of the first round, or you know, as as much as you can read into it. And I had mentioned Garrett Bradbury with the Vikings, who then went on to have an atrocious rookie year. So. I'm going to hope that I can uh, curse a few more people here for uh, <laughs> conference rivals. Yeah, I love CeeDee Lamb, though. I, he was my number one wide receiver. He was a, a top 10 prospect for me easily. And so him sliding and ended up ending up in Dallas was heartbreaking. I was I was hoping he'd stick in the AFC somewhere. But um, their offense could be really, really special. Um, I know they still have to replace Travis Frederick, but their offensive line still has a lot of really good players. You know, you have Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper, uh, now C.D. Lamb. Um, Mike McCarthy is going to have a lot of toys to play <laughs> with, and uh, that could create a lot of problems for many defenses around the league. Uh, I I thought Brandon Ayuk to San Francisco was a really good move. That one hurt me personally. Um, I thought he'd be the perfect weapon opposite of Devontae. And now, you know, you see the 49ers get better on offense without having to take too much of a step back defensively because, you know, they replaced DeForest Buckner uh, with Javon Kinlaw. So really interesting there. Some bizarre moves, I thought. You know, the Dolphins taking Austin Jackson, the Raiders taking Damon Arnett. Those seemed like big surprises to me. And I know... I was Lauren Jackson the most, but to me, it's kind of puzzling to take a guy who is going to need some development and maybe at this point is a little bit of a questionable, a questionable pass blocker to protect your new franchise quarterback who already has injury concerns. And then the proximity that Austin Jackson was drafted to the other offensive tackles because some of them slid a little bit with it, it, it creates this unnecessary tension for me, um, you know, him him as OT5. But, you know, Arnett, I, I just don't get that one at all. I, I know the Raiders have a really strong preference for a certain type of player. But to me, he's like solid. He definitely would have been available in round two if they wanted him there, maybe even round three. So weird. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it echoes it echoes taking um, the... Who's the Clemson edge that they drafted a four last Colin year? Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah, Colin Farrell. And, I mean, I don't think that they need it. It's almost like Mike Mayock has has decided that he's going to be more clever than everybody else. And I, I don't know. Like, they, they seem to be reaching. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, clearly the Raiders do not care what anyone else thinks. It was uh, it was funny to see Mayock celebrating the Arnett pick and get all excited. I understand that there are no guarantees in the draft, but man, you have to think that they could have taken him almost a full round later, um, according to most of the things that we've seen as far as rankings and mock drafts and stuff like that. But the Raiders have their guys, and they're going to do what they want. Um, let's not let the Seahawks completely off the hook here, guys. Uh, we got to talk about uh, Jordan Brooks, right, going to the Seahawks there in the first round. Lots of strange moves. Um, the offensive tackle, Wilson, going off at the end of the round as well. So um, just means more guys are going to be available on, on day two for the rest of the league. But lots and, of interesting moves there. I, I was puzzled by... Clyde Edwards Alaire yeah. being the first running back off the board. I mean, he, he just, to me, he doesn't fit what the Chiefs are looking for in a running back. So uh, obviously, Andy Reid knows way more about football than any of us, but it, it, 
it just didn't seem to fit what they typically look for. Yeah, that's been mocked to them for a little while um, as far as that that fit with Allaire. But like again, like anytime you get a running back when there's another player that you could put in there, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does fit that offense and how they use him and those kinds of things. But um, interesting close to the first round for sure with some questionable picks all around there. But let's go ahead and turn our attention uh, to tomorrow, guys. Lots of talent left on this board. Maggie, who do you have your eye on as we turn the page to tomorrow's second round? There's a really easy, low-hanging fruit uh, Ross Blacklock <laughs> joke here for me to make. But uh, um, I would say at this point, I think my favorite remaining prospects would be Michael Pittman Jr., Brian Edwards. I really like, um, even though he might kind of be available there in the third round, not necessarily somebody the Packers would have to take at 62. Although the way the wide receivers are moving, it wouldn't surprise me if Edwards is a guy that they look at at 62. Um, so two receivers, really surprised to see some of the names that came off the board before Josh Jones. Uh, the fact that he's still there at tackle, uh, Matt Pert and Ben Barch. Also, I really like his day two guys. Uh, then Matt Hennessy and Ben Bredesen at interior offensive line, Ross Blacklock at interior defensive line. Um, and then Akeem Davis Gaither at inside linebacker. Um, but I guess to me, you know, does this first round of the draft show us that maybe we don't like we don't know what what we don't know? I mean, are we thinking that the Packers have these very specific needs and these are players that meet the needs? And then, you know, corner or safety is the pick in at 62 tomorrow. Um, to me, I think there's just kind of, you know, we're not fully in alignment with our perceived needs and then the team's perceived needs. So to me, this is where it gets really interesting now is Jordan Love already kind of deviated from what we thought was going to be the selection. So we maybe have some perceived notions of who the, the picks will be tomorrow in the second and third rounds. And now, you know, it could be completely different than what we're expecting. But I think that's what makes this draft so interesting. Yeah, and as I was crossing guys off my top-rated prospects, I ended up with only four players with first-round grades that were were remaining um, at the end of the night, and that was running back Jonathan Taylor, uh, wide receiver LaVisca Chanel Jr., offensive tackle Lucas Niang, and then Ross Blacklock, like you mentioned. And so um, I think there actually is a possibility that uh, both Niang and Chenault could be available at 62. Um, both could be targets of trade-ups, um, you know, if the Packers really value them. Um and obviously having given up that fourth rounder to move up in the first round, they're, they're starting to maybe have a little bit more limited resources to do some of those trade-ups. But, you know, if you're looking for end of the second, um, end of the third round picks, some names that might be intriguing at some of their positions of need, you know, you have wide receiver, some guys I would expect to go in the second round. You've got Donovan Peoples-Jones of Michigan, KJ Hamler, Tyler Johnson, Michael Pittman Jr. at Maggie mentioned, uh, Van Jefferson, T. Higgins. I, I I think Chenault's injury concerns may have him slide. And honestly, if they get Chenault, I know the injury thing is scary, but he is a first round value if he's healthy. Um, no doubt, probably more like a, you know, late teens, early 20 value if if he's healthy. So that could be a sneaky good pick um, and somebody that I certainly love. 
At offense tackle, you have Niang, uh, Sadiq Charles, Ben Barch. Uh, you know, you mentioned Josh Jones. Ezra Cleveland's still hanging around there, but I would imagine him and Josh Jones get snapped up pretty early in the second. At linebacker, you got Willie Gay Jr., Logan Wilson, Malik Harrison, Troy Dye. So, you know, there's still guys out there that can be um, really good at those positions. And Maggie mentioned that the depth of this draft class mirrors Green Bay's perceived needs pretty well. So um, there's going to be talent available. Tomorrow night's going to be really important for Brian Gulikunz. Yeah, so what's really interesting is that so much of the top wide receiver talent is off the board. I think I thought some of these guys would slip a little bit. Um, so Green Bay is going to have to make some decisions about what they want to do with those wide receivers. Uh, but with giving up pick 136 in the fourth round, that significantly limits their ammo, um, as we talked about a little bit, to move up in that second round, unless they plan on sacrificing their third round pick to jump all the way up in the second, uh, which kind of seems unlikely. But just a quick note on the wide receivers, since so many went in that first round, uh, and a lot of them went to teams with a obvious wide receiver need, I am curious to see if we see a little bit um, of more time passed between those wide receivers going in the second round uh, that would help some of those wide receivers get down to where the Packers are picking just because teams may not double up in the second and they may go wait until the third round or those kinds of things. So just speaking some hope into existence, I guess, <laughs> as we hope some some of these guys fall a little bit. Uh, but other names that I'm sure Green Bay still covets are Ezra Cleveland, Josh Jones, as Andrew mentioned. I'm sure they'll have interest in Michael Pittman Jr. and Chenault. And we've heard plenty of buzz around the defensive tackle position as well. So I look at guys like uh, Matt Abuike and Marlon Davidson as possibilities at 62 if they're there. And it probably would cause another Twitter meltdown. Uh, but someone like J.K. Dobbins could be in play in the second round if he were available. Uh, what we saw tonight was a really, really weird draft from the Green Bay Packers that may pay off in the long run. But we also saw a weird draft from much of the league, which means that lots of this perceived first round talent is still on the board, which promises to give us a really fun second day of this draft. Yeah, and Kyle, I, I was just curious. I, I know you and I had a brief conversation about this, but you, you talked about the per perspective of the Jordan Love pick kind of in regards to some of the things that are going on currently. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of hesitated to get into this because there are, um, I want to say, political implications to it, but um, we're living in a time where we don't know what we're even going to be able to do um, even six weeks from now with the, the coronavirus and, and all that's happening in our world. So the NFL is obviously trying to do their best to put uh, the league in position to have a season in 2020. Um, but there is still a chance that we may not have football this fall. And as much as that would suck, um, I think we need to be prepared for that possibility, which also uh, brings into conversation the future of the Green Bay Packers. And if you don't have a 2020 season and you get to 2021 and Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old and will turn, I believe, 38 at the end of that season, maybe the quarterback that you picked in 2020 may not seem like such a reach if you have a missing year um, of, of development and a possibility of a, of a quarterback being able to sit behind a, another quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So just something that I was thinking about when they made that pick. Um, obviously, nobody knows what's going to happen with the 2020 season, um, but an aging Aaron Rodgers is only going to continue to age um, with or without a 2020 season. And that may be something that weighs in this a little bit. 
Yeah, and and thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I know the the pick. Well, it may not have been quote unquote a surprise. I know it was a little bit jarring, and and I'm sure we'll be processing through Twitter. Um, I know that uh, Kyle and Maggie and myself really appreciate all the interactions that we've had. Um, you know, whether it be through the the Cheesehead draft party, whether it be through Twitter interactions, um, anything else that's that's going on, um, you know, please let us know, uh, you know, what your thoughts are, and and we're we're happy to interact with that. Um, I was trying to show you guys this, but I realized my webcam makes everything backwards. I just <laughs> made a sticky note in honor of Maggie that says Lavisca <laughs> Chenault, no matter what. So I'm gonna go ahead and put that right on the computer oh, for man. tomorrow. And then uh, we'll be we'll be interacting with folks uh, out there on the interwebs. But that is all the time that we have for tonight. Uh, this has been the Pack a Day Podcast. Thanks for for sticking up and or staying up, guys. I don't know. I don't <laughs> We're even tired. Know We're tired. <laughs> it's late. But but hopefully you're you're checking this out either really late because you can't sleep because of Jordan Love or really early in the morning. But you can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Uh, Maggie is at Maggie J. Loney. You can also check out her work at cheeseheadtv.com and on another podcast, Pax, which she said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe or rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday, we think. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, and next <laughs> week, uh, we're going to be back with a conversation, kind of wrapping up the draft and, and talking about picks, uh, you know, the, the Packers picks in rounds two through seven. Be sure to check out tomorrow's show. They're going to be breaking down rounds two and three. So uh, please stick with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.